You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You recognize this? Sylvester Stallone, Rocky Balboa taking on Apollo Creed. Carl Weathers in Rocky One, one of the greatest movies of all time. That rags to riches story, right? The Italian stallion plucked out of obscurity. He gets the big fight. Now he loses. Not to give it away. It's 50 years old. That's okay. He loses. But then there's Rocky Two, And what happens in Rocky Two? Do you remember? He works with Mick. And he changes his game. He goes from southpaw to fighting right-handed, and then he goes back to southpaw at the last minute. It totally works. It confuses Apollo Creed. Last night, I saw indications that Donald Trump might be following a similar playbook. Yes, and I call it Trump 2. We're watching history before our eyes. I mean, a former president running for president. I think TR did it. Maybe what, Grover Cleveland? Last night was history, and if you're watching closely and you've been watching closely, Donald Trump changed his approach, changed his style, a couple of tweaks. It's still Donald Trump, but he changed his game, and I think he made it better. A couple of improvements can still be made. I'll get to that in a little bit, but I saw a president who was controlled, organized. His argument was very logical. He toned down the energy just a bit, and I think it actually exposed the substance in a very positive way. He wasn't screaming as much, and we could focus on the ideas a little bit better. Very substantive. In fact, far more substantive than anything uh, Joe Biden tries. Look at all the topics that he tackled. I mean, on and on and on. They give Donald Trump a hard time, but I'll tell you this. He is a candidate of ideas. Serious ideas. Whereas when Joe Biden announced for the presidency, he had a two-minute uh, video on YouTube. He talked about these four things, equality, Charlottesville, white supremacy, and of course, Trump. And then the fake news, well, did all the work from there. But back to what Donald Trump did, I thought it was really, really special. A couple of things we he can work on. Hey, he called for the help of his friends. I consider myself a friend, and I'm here to help. But first, uh, I picked about two minutes here, and I think this kind of encapsulates uh, a lot, the whole thing, in two minutes. Take a look. Together, we will be taking on the most corrupt forces and entrenched interests imaginable. Our country is in a horrible state. We're in grave trouble. This is not a task for a politician or a conventional candidate. This is a task for a great movement that embodies the courage, confidence, and the spirit of the American people. This is a job 
for tens of millions of proud people working together from all across the land and from all walks of life, young and old, black and white, Hispanic and Asian, many of whom we have brought together for the very, very first time. This is a party that has become much bigger, much stronger, much more powerful, can do much more good for our country. This is a job for grandmothers and construction workers, firefighters, builders, teachers, doctors, and farmers who cannot stay quiet any longer. You can't stay quiet any longer. You're angry about what's happening to our country. Our country is being destroyed before your very eyes. It's a job for every aspiring young person and every hard-working parent, for every entrepreneur and underappreciated police officer who is ready to shout for safety in America. The police are being treated so badly. These are great people. They can straighten out the crime. They're the ones that know how to do it. We have to give them back their respect and their dignity. But just as I promised in 2016, I am your voice. I am your voice. The Washington establishment wants to silence us, but we will not let them do that. What we have built together over the past six years is the greatest movement in history because it is not about politics. It's about our love for this great country, America, and we're not going to let it fail. I am running because I believe the world has not yet seen the true glory of what this nation can be. We have not reached that pinnacle, believe it or not. In fact, we can go very far. We're going to have to go far. First, we have to get out of this ditch. And once we're out, you'll see things that nobody imagined for any country. It's called the United States of America, and it's an incredible place. Pitch perfect. Pitch perfect. And when you have big accomplishments, real accomplishments to your credit, you don't have to shout. You don't have to yell and scream. And that's one of the differences that I'm seeing. You know, most politicians, when they get up there and they rattle off these ideas, we know they're just daydreaming. You know, they're just hoping for the best. And most of them are not going to make good on it. Something else that I saw last night, you know, he was speaking in a closed room. And for the past, what, two years, we've been seeing him in big rallies, right, outside with a lot of people there. And I like those rallies. I enjoy them. But uh, if you compare Donald Trump from last night the way he is at a normal rally, um, far more, not subdued, that's not the right word, but kind of focused. Focused, I think, might be the better word. You know, when you have a lot of people and they're in front of you, I think Donald Trump has this tendency to, he wants to entertain them. It's not just a TV audience, it's the people right in front of you, and he has the added burden, I think, of trying to entertain them. Taking him out of the rally may help a lot. We're still going to have him, of course, but anyway, just an observation. I do have a suggestion coming his way in just a moment, but first, man... He could really talk about real accomplishments, and this is my favorite. The vicious ISIS caliphate, which no president was able to conquer, was decimated by me and our great warriors in less than three weeks, and al-Baghdadi, its founder, was hunted down and killed. Right? Nobody hears from ISIS anymore for a long time, right? Totally ab abolished by Donald Trump. 
And he said he would do that the first time he announced for president. Nobody would be tougher on ISIS than Donald Trump. Nobody. I will find within our military, I will find the General Patton, or I will find General MacArthur. I will find the right guy. I will find the guy that's going to take that military and make it really work. Nobody, nobody will be pushing us around. All right, huh? Totally delivered. Totally nailed it. And we should have confidence in him that he can do it again. That was something else. Very few people can point to an accomplishment like that. That helped all of us. That helped everybody. Now, did you notice this? When he called on, well, he wants something from us. I am asking for your vote. I am asking for your support. And I am asking for your friendship and your prayers. This very incredible but dangerous journey. If our movement remains united and confident, then we will shatter the forces of tyranny and we will unleash the glories of liberty for ourselves and for our children and for generations yet to come. You hear that? Friendship. He wants our friendship. He's asking for our friendship. And friends can give it to our friends straight. So... I think he's terrific. Style and substance. I'm glad that he's modifying his game. Back to the Rocky situation, okay? Rocky 1, great movie. He loses the fight. Then Rocky 2 rolls around. He's got to get back in the ring. He's got to earn a living, right? And Apollo Creed is desperate to fight um, Rocky. So what happens? He reunites with Mickey, and Mickey tells him, you're going to get crushed if you do this the same way you did the first time around. So they're reviewing tape, and Mickey comes up with a very interesting strategy. Now look, to pull this miracle off, you gotta change everything. You gotta learn to be a right-handed fighter. Now this will confuse Apollo and it'll protect that bad eye. No, I can't learn how to fight right-handed no more. What's can? There ain't no cats. There's no cats. Now he will beat you uglier than you are now. Now listen. You start fighting right-handed, and then it changes suddenly, and that'll make history. You get that? I love it. Go from southpaw to right-handed, back to southpaw. Trump is already changing the game a little bit. And here's something that I don't know if anyone's told him. Last night was terrific. I'm sure he's gotten wind by now that it might have been a little bit too long. Here's how to shorten it. Some of those little tidbits, some of those anecdotes, they're very entertaining, but times have changed. People were in a rush. He's got to cool it a little bit when it comes to these little asides, however interesting and colorful they are. Take a look. And I said, I don't like that timing. And I was with President Xi, who's now president for life. I call him king. He said, no, no, I'm not the king. I said, yes, you are the king. You're president for life. It's the same thing. But I said, president, president, you can't do these things. You can't Germany remember. tried it. They were up for about a year. Remember I sent to Angela? Remember Angela? Do you remember Angela? Nobody's remembering her now. Angela Merkel, I sent her a white flag of surrender. But she one of the reasons we had so much success at the border was because of the fact that 
Two things. We got Mexico to give us free of charge 28,000 soldiers. That helps. And the uh, president of Mexico is a great gentleman, by the way. Socialist, but that's okay. He can't have everything. But he's a great man and a great friend of mine. But 28,000 soldiers while we were building the wall. All right, so he goes off script and he tells these little stories. They take up time. Everybody's attention span has been reduced over the past several years. And a lot of these stories we have heard before. Some we haven't. They're amusing, but they take up too much time. If he gets rid of them, he reduces the speech by, what, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and I think it's more powerful. All right, to make the point, I'm going to drive it home one more time. Seriously, wouldn't it have been better if that speech was a half hour and we missed moments like this? These are gang members that will kill, and they like using knives because a knife is more painful than a gun. You've read the stories. MS-13, these are savages. They say, oh, please don't use that name. They're people. No, they're not. These are savages. It's the only it's way. We don't need any more blue ribbon committees. We don't need, I don't like to say this, and I don't even know if the American public is ready for it. And Al Capone, you all heard of the great gangster? Al Capone got far less. Billy the Kid got almost done. <laughs> Jesse James, no. Eric Trump got more subpoenas. He's, he's a PhD in subpoenas. They come from Congress. They... <laughs> I love it, but not anymore. Not for a while, okay? Uh, he can still make those asides. He does it at times, just makes it real quick and then moves on, makes a point, tells a little joke, and then moves on. This was good. We will bring our supply chains, which are a disaster right now. You can't get anything. And good luck getting a turkey for Thanksgiving. Number one, you won't get it. And if you do, you're going to pay three to four times more than you paid last year. But we will bring our supply chains and manufacturing base back home. See that? Said the thing about the turkey real quick. It worked back on message. So he's come a long way. It's not 2015 anymore. He doesn't have to be over the top outrageous. He already commands the nation's, the world's attention just by being him, just by being the person, the president who accomplished everything he accomplished. All right. That's enough for my advice for now. I really hope he's successful with this. And Republicans, state officials, whatever, voting must be fixed. And I don't know if we can wait until he becomes president because I am uncomfortable with a lot of things that happened last week. Take a look at this. We will do whatever it takes to bring back honesty, confidence, and trust in our elections. <laughs> to eliminate cheating, I will immediately demand voter ID, same-day voting, and only paper ballots. Paper ballots, same-day voting, voter ID, so simple. And, and, we want all votes counted by election night. That's what we need. Hey, by the way, he didn't uh, question the results of the last election, although we still have them. He, we, and we can have them. That's okay. That's legal. They lose their minds when he says it for whatever reason. He is poised because he's done it before. He's done it in his own life, but now he wants to do it for America. There has never been anything like it. This great movement of ours, 
never been anything like it, and perhaps there will never be anything like it again. There's never been anything to compete with what we have all done. Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests, and my fellow citizens, America's comeback starts right now. The media elites, the sophisticates, they, oh, oh, his comeback, it's all silly. No, it's not. It was real. It happened. We witnessed it. The art of the comeback, he wrote about it. You know, when you go through this in your personal and business life, I think he can do it on the stage that he is on right now. And about last week, the midterms, obviously disappointing. This is one of the best explanations, actually, about that disappointing situation. Much criticism is being placed on the fact that the Republican Party should have done better. And frankly, much of this blame is correct. But the citizens of our country have not yet realized the full extent and gravity of the pain our nation is going through. And the total effect of the suffering is just starting to take hold. They don't quite feel it yet, but they will very soon. I have no doubt that by 2024, it will sadly be much worse and they will see much more clearly what happened and what is happening to our country. And the voting will be much different. 2024. I think he's right. I'm hoping so. I am hoping so. Look, I don't think uh, there's another Republican out there that can hold a candle to this. He's actually done it. He knows how to win and he's modified his already stellar game. And you know what? You know what this almost guarantees, I believe? The Democrats know that Pete Buttigieg cannot stop this. So what they will do is renominate. Yeah. And this is, <laughs> I hope they do. Joe Biden, I think he's going to be able to tell them, I'm the only one who can do it. I did it before. <laughs> did you? Anyway, those are my thoughts. When we come back, Mike Pence, ooh, who does he think he is trying to sell this book? Uh, there are some interesting things that did not make his book and a few things that did make his book. A full report when we come back. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Mike Pence has a new book. It's called So Help Me God by Mike Pence. And I am not impressed with his new book. In fact, it's written as if Mike Pence were not the former vice president, but perhaps a junior staff member on the January 6th committee. Um, telling you, this guy is high on his own supply, self-righteous and self-serving. Uh, take a look at this. And I made it clear to the president in the lead up to that tragic day in January that I... Uh, that I believe my oath to the Constitution that ended with a prayer, so help me God, would require me to certify the election, an election that we had lost. Well, he told that to the president, that's in the book. But he did not tell that to the American people. In fact, he teased the American people that he was perhaps prepared to do something else on January 6th. 
and he wasn't so sure that we had lost the election. This moment on January 4th is not in the book for some reason. Take a look. I know we all, we all got our doubts about the last election. And I want to assure you, I share the concerns of millions of Americans about voting irregularities. And I promise you, come this Wednesday, we'll have our day in Congress. We'll hear the objections. We'll hear the evidence. See what he's doing? He's being all things to all people like a typical politician, right? He's already made up his mind about what he's going to do. Maybe he could get the American people ready for that, especially those of us who thought under the Constitution he had greater discretion. But no, he created the illusion that something else would happen. So on January 6th, he goes to the Capitol. And all these people, right, really anxious, hoping that, that he'll exercise his power, not to overturn the election, by the way, but to have the states double-check these electoral votes, because a lot of us had valid concerns about how they were derived, all right? So he drives by all these people, and what does he say about them? This is in the book, the audio version. I turned to my daughter and said with a sigh, God bless those people. They're going to be so disappointed. They're going to be so disappointed. Well, why didn't he put the word out earlier? That might have helped diffuse things, right? Maybe. I think it was worth a shot being straight with the American people. And then there's this from this morning. As I said more than a year ago, there's maybe no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. And that's not what Professor Eastman or Rudy Giuliani were talking about. Let me put it to you this way, all right? The electoral votes as they were delivered to the Capitol. Now, let's, let's just do a hypothetical here. Those electoral votes were certified in state capitals. What if, and this is a hypothetical, it didn't happen, but what if we found out that legislators who certified the electoral votes in, say, state capital Harrisburg were taken hostage or some kid's child was kidnapped and if you don't change the electoral votes i'm gonna do the unthinkable here so you better do it and don't tell anybody well the votes are delivered and then word of that gets out the kids safe everything's okay but the electoral votes say one thing but they were derived under duress is mike pence just going to say one man does not have the authority to do anything here no yes send them back to the state figure it out do it over again and then we'll count the votes. Under the Electoral Count Act of 1887, we believe he had that discretion. But Mike Pence is um, too full of himself to actually approach the issue with an open mind. Some great lawyers made the case, but Mike had his mind all made up. And listen to what he says about them now. Repeating the argument made by the crank lawyers standing just off stage. Did you hear that? Crank lawyers. Crank lawyers. Crank lawyers? No. John Eastman is a great lawyer, a constitutional professor, who, by the way, went to the University of Chicago Law School. Now, quite frankly, me, I don't care where you went to college, but in the legal community, they really, really find this stuff significant, okay? How about Rudy Giuliani, crank lawyer, according to uh, Mike Pence? 
NYU School of Law, number seven in the nation, in addition to be one of the top prosecutors in the history of this country, and a former number three official, I think, in the Reagan Justice Department. Uh, Mike Pence, you know, he's a lawyer. He went to a place called McKinney School of Law. I never heard of it. And it's number 98 in the nation. He wasn't too in demand as a lawyer. That's possibly why he did a lot of uh, local radio in Indiana and not practicing too much law. Uh, how about that, huh? And here he is calling people cranks who know the law better than he does. Something else about him has come through for years now, but especially in this book, the self-righteousness. And uh, I'm a Christian. He's a Christian. We carry ourselves differently. There's a space for this, I know, but it seems a little much to me. Take a look. As my staff was making its way toward the Senate floor, Tim asked, is there anything we can do for you? I had met him when he was a young state legislator in South Carolina. He had come to an event where I was speaking and said he wanted to meet me as he was a fellow conservative and a Christian. I have taken great satisfaction seeing his deserved rise through the House and Senate. Pray for me, I said. You want to pray now? Tim asked. At that, my staff said, sir, we don't have time. The senators are all in their seats waiting for you. I smiled and said, there's always time for prayer. And so we all bowed our heads as Tim appealed to heaven to help us finish that trying day. I will always be grateful for that moment of grace. Well, okay, it's January 6th. This is about the sixth or seventh public prayer he's conducted. I have prayed in public before, uh, but I think, quite frankly, in the middle of the action, that's Senator Tim Scott that he's talking to. Even his staff is like, we gotta go. It's a little bit much, a little much. Uh, then there's this. He's in the basement, and he's making phone calls to all kinds of people. Over the next few hours, I spoke to the acting Secretary of Defense, Christopher C. Miller, and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, both of whom assured me that the National Guard had been mobilized and would be on the scene shortly. I spoke to the acting Attorney General, Jeffrey A. Rosen, and his staff about additional Justice Department personnel that I was told were already on the scene with more to come. And I talked to the chief of the Capitol Police, Stephen A. Sund, who gave me an update on the riots and the lengths his officers were going to to secure the Capitol. So he's calling everybody, everybody from the Pentagon to the DOJ to the chief, everybody's getting briefed about everything and he's letting them know information. You know who he's not calling? The President of the United States. Why not? I mean, what could the President do at that point? Did he need him? He never called. But he has helped perpetuate this notion that Donald Trump was somehow asleep at the switch. And this is what the January 6th committee has been driving. Donald Trump just sat there and didn't call anybody. Well, nobody called him. But that's not how they tell the story, is it? He placed no call to any element of the United States government to instruct that the Capitol be defended. He did not call his Secretary of Defense on January 6th. He did not talk to his Attorney General. 
He did not talk to the Department of Homeland Security. President Trump gave no order to deploy the National Guard that day, and he made no effort to work with the Department of Justice to coordinate and deploy law enforcement assets. But Vice President Pence did each of those things. This is, this sounds like a conspiracy to me, right? It really does. They're making all the phone calls, but no one's calling Donald Trump, huh? And now they give Mike Pence this, um, this hero status, right? There he is in the basement. Oh, boy, there's a riot just a few feet away. And there he is, calling everybody except the president. Why is that? Also, in the book, you know what he doesn't do? Question, how the hell January 6th happened? What about the security failures? What about the little cop who ran, who was encouraging everybody to come on up, step right into the Capitol? Those two police, the, uh, the line of police officers who just stood there as people walked by, almost like they were greeting the people. And how about the three Capitol cops who walked away, just took a coffee break at the moment of truth, just before... Ashley Babbitt was shot. These guys go off, da-dup, 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 and all hell breaks loose. No, Mike Pence doesn't go there at all. He just, it's like reading the January 6th commission, a transcript of it. And then he, he just thanks everybody. He, you know, you're a leader. You're supposed to ask questions, difficult questions sometimes. And he's in a position to get some answers, but he doesn't. Thanks to the swift efforts of U.S. Capitol Police, federal, state, and local law enforcement. The violence was quelled, the Capitol is secured, and the people's work continues. And we will always be grateful to the men and women who stayed at their posts to defend this historic place. Is he grateful for Lieutenant Michael Byrd, who shot and killed an unarmed woman, Ashley Babbitt? Her name isn't even mentioned in Mike Pence's book. How about that? I do know this. Mike Pence has absolutely no future in national politics. I hope he enjoys Indiana. All right. When we come back, uh, we'll see what happens. Stay with us. If you've had it with the old news and the same spent, well, then Spicer and Company is your place for the inside story and for the facts that you need to know. Well, look at that. I was a little bit nervous for a while. I thought it was a slam dunk. Should have been. Anyway, Newsmax now projects that Republicans will be in control of the next Congress. We needed 218. We, I'm not a Republican, but you know what I mean. And we're at 219. Again, Newsmax projects. And the one who put us over the top uh, was Kevin Kiley. Kevin Kiley, Republican out of Northern California. He beat his competitor there. Uh, it was declared yesterday. And Donald Trump, during his campaign announcement, his announcement for President of the United States, acknowledged one Kevin Kiley of California. He, uh, you know, uh, Kevin, welcome. Congressman-elect Kevin Kiley, welcome to Newsmax. Uh, he talked about Shinzo Abe, Joe Biden, and you. I think you were the first uh, guy he mentioned. Anyway, congratulations. How does it feel? Well, gosh, I hope I was mentioned in a very different light than Joe Biden. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it feels good because we have uh, ended the Pelosi speakership. We have reclaimed the majority. 
And uh, the American people have now used the most immediate lever uh, at their disposal. That is the House of Representatives, the part of our government that is closest to the people by design, that our founders wanted to be most responsive to public opinion. The American people have used that put in place a new majority and to create uh, the foundation for major changes in this country, which it's now up to us, uh, who they've entrusted uh, as their representatives, to go and uh, make good on and implement those changes. Well, terrific. Uh, I'm excited. And uh, by the way, you beat your opponent by five points. Yet it was one of those races that took days and days and days to uh, to call. Um what's up with that? We used to call these things the night of. It, it seems like you had a pretty comfortable margin of victory as well. Well, it's actually worse than that. There are still well over 100,000 votes out, uh, but they come from my uh, strongest counties. So we expect actually the final margin uh, will be much larger than that. Uh, but yes, we are now uh, well over a week after Election Day. And you have over 100,000 votes in this district that remain to be counted, millions across the state of California. You have other states like Florida or even Massachusetts where, you know, voters find out who won on election night. And so this isn't brain surgery. Uh, you know, there are pretty reliable methods uh, for uh, pre-tabulating results and making sure that you can have a, uh, a clear outcome uh, the day of the election. Yet for some reason, California has chosen uh, to make this a month-long affair that is drawn out, that creates this lingering sense of uncertainty. It just isn't healthy for democracy. You know, it really is interesting, though. Um, it's you, Kevin Kiley. You made the difference. And President Trump, as he announced for president yesterday, you were, I believe, the second person he mentioned other than Joe Biden. And, uh, well, let's take a look at that moment. Just a short time ago, the Republicans won back control of the House of Representatives. And it was with a great Trump-endorsed candidate, Congressman-elect Kevin Kiley, who is a fantastic person. Kevin, that's uh, Congressman-elect, excuse me. That's, that's quite a moment. And I was wondering if you knew that was coming. Uh, did you see it? Were you surprised? Uh, what happened? <laughs> I didn't know it was coming now. And, uh, you know, I was uh, incredibly uh, humbled, of course, and it was so kind of him. Um, I'm actually uh, here in D.C. There's a mandatory orientation for uh, new members of Congress that I was uh, at at the time. And so I wasn't able to see it live. And suddenly my phone starts, uh, you know, getting blowing up with texts of people who, who are watching the president's uh, remarks. And so uh, certainly was uh, unexpected. Well, this is a uh, big promotion for you. And uh, I'm sure that President Trump is uh, impressed with your credentials. He does love those Ivy Leaguers. Harvard undergrad, Yale lawyer, not bad. What's the one thing, top priority for you in Congress? Then we got to go. I'm sorry. Holding the Biden administration accountable. You're going to see oversight that is real. You're going to see hearings. You're going to see investigations where appropriate. You're going to see members of the Biden administration uh, having their feet held to the fire. Nancy Pelosi's Congress has refused to hold this administration uh, responsible, and that changes starting January 3rd when the new Congress is sworn in. Congratulations. Congressman-elect Kevin Kiley, Repu Republican of uh, District 3 up there in Northern California. Uh, thank yeah. you so much. To be continued, we'll be right back. All I can say 
Is, is that, that the, the fake news? Just, just doesn't, doesn't get, it. get it, do they? More on the fake news in a moment. First, a verdict in the Waukesha Christmas Parade massacre. Uh, that guy, Daryl Brooks, uh, this, is, this is good news. He's getting, well, it's pretty good news, six life terms. You know what he did with his vehicle in a fit of rage, obviously racially motivated. If you look at his uh, social media background, these poor people, as young as eight, uh, all the way up to in uh, early 80s, one of the victims. So um, this is the guy who did it. Here's the murderer. And um, he's going to jail forever. And the judge, well, she had it with this guy. Listen to this. To order anything other than what I have done, sir, would be to unduly depreciate the seriousness of these offenses. Would it is needed, although largely symbolic, given the number of years that I have imposed here today, because frankly, you deserve it. Wow. No remorse expressed by this uh, defendant that uh, has been observable. All right. Now on to uh, democracy. Now, number one, yeah, last night was a great exercise in democracy. A uh, former president putting forward his ideas for the American people to consider. That's democracy. And I think people should take a look at that speech. It's funny how the folks in the fake news and MSNBC, they're always saying that we are somehow a threat to democracy. If we had a question or two about the last election, listen to this nonsense they're pulling there. This is MSNBC Morning Joe this morning, uh, right after Donald Trump's big speech. That's obviously big news, right? Wouldn't you think? No. None of the major networks carried it. Uh, I don't think MSNBC carried it. Uh, we're not showing the clips this morning, not to make any point, but just because it's not interesting. We've heard it all before. And it was just a bunch of grievances, a bunch of lies. So really, why, why even play it? Wow. They're not going to share it with their viewers. Maybe Joe has heard it before, and Joe is offering his opinion about what he's heard before. Now, it would be one thing if just one network decided not in the morning to show it, but lots of networks didn't show it. And it was very hard to find the transcript of the speech, actually. So what are voters supposed to do? It's amazing. This very program, just moments earlier, had praised itself and the current state of affairs as being so good for democracy. The system proved itself this time. It went against people's short-term ambitions. And when that happens, something's happened in the country. And I think that's the most important thing. We need to take a sense of contagious excitement from that, that democracy was on the ballot. The president helped direct it toward us. But the people themselves came through. That's the celebration. The system held and the people spoke their minds. And they voted for something larger than what we thought they would, inflation and economics. They voted for their country. Wow. And a healthy dose of censorship, huh? Doris Kearns Goodwin, fraud historian, noted for a horrible plagiarism incident back in the mid-1990s. We'll be right back with uh, Dick Morris, one of our favorites. Well, Donald Trump making his announcement, running for president last night at Mar-a-Lago. No surprise to Dick Morris. He's been writing about it. He's been predicting it. Take a look at his book. He told us it would happen. 
the return, Trump's big 2024 comeback by Dick Morris, who I'm told was there uh, at Mar-a-Lago for the big announcement. Dick, welcome back. You uh, you certainly are right so far. What do you think, by the way? Oh, I thought his speech was great, and I'm so thrilled that he's running. But, Greg, there's a really important piece of news we need to tell our viewers. Uh, the House of Representatives votes came in very late, as you know. It was just decided yesterday that the Republicans won the House. But when you add up the votes of all of the Republicans and all of the Democrats, you find that 53 million people voted for Republicans and only 48 million voted for Democrats, a margin of 5.3 percent. And that comeback from a defeat of 7 percent in 2020, that 12-point flip from 7 back to 5 ahead, is the biggest flip that any party has had in the 21st century. And I think that it's very important that we erase the media narrative. This was a horrible year for the Republicans. It was a personal failure of Donald Trump. Yeah, it's true that we had 17 Senate seats up and they had 12. And uh, while well, we won nine of 15, we didn't get we didn't get a majority. That's true. But we have one in the House and the underlying vote of the people was an overwhelming flip from Democrat yeah. to Republican, a 12 point flip. So let's not forget about that. And Dick, you know, uh, look, it was a tough week. <laughs> it was, it was. And Donald Trump himself acknowledged, you know, a lot of folks disappointed, including him. But, but, but a week is a long time. And I feel like things have been reset. And I feel like the DeSantis momentum, if there was ever any momentum, has almost been neutralized by last night's event. I could be totally wrong. Please, sir, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think DeSantis is the enemy. I, I think that he's a good governor and he'll have a great presidential run in 2028. And I think he'll wait his turn. I think it'll be very positive. Uh, I think that the that the real thing that Trump did last night was to, was it last night? Yeah, was to articulate a point by point by point agenda of what he would do as president in the second term. It was really not a political speech, Greg. It was a little bit more like a State of the Union address, hmm. where he laid out a very specific agenda of um, completing the border wall, uh, no vaccinations, no mandates, uh, cut federal spending to stop inflation, uh, get rid of DAs that were failing to prosecute crime, defund any police department that was defunding the police, uh, make sure that nobody taught critical race theory or gender change to fourth graders without parental consent, and if they did, right. yank federal funding. Very specific stuff like that that I think was very impressive to people and, and indicated the deep quality of thought that's going on in Trump's head now. Dick, if I can, about the manner of the delivery, uh, I think it behooves Trump to do it where he did it, in a room instead of the rally. Now, I love the rally, and I know the rallies aren't going away, but... When you're at a rally outdoors and it's almost like a rock concert, I think the president feels like this um, understandable duty somehow to entertain everybody. You know what I mean? Like to, to make the people there feel like they're having a great time. Uh, the event yesterday, he seemed more focused on the television audience. There were some exceptions. I think it works better this time around like that. Thoughts? Well, that's good thinking, Greg. It, that hadn't occurred to me. Uh, 
That's true. Uh, he uh, decided, for example, to use a teleprompter, which emphasizes the text as opposed to what he wrote, as opposed to just, you know, rhetoric and stuff that kind of goes off the top of his head. I think that's a, that's a really good point that you make. Dick, thank you so much. The book, once again, now more than ever, you got to get uh, this book, The Return, Trump's Big 2024 Comeback by the legendary presidential advisor, Dick Morris. Thank you very much, Dick. To be continued, we'll be right back. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. Thanks, everybody, and see you tomorrow night.